Uh, welcome into um, another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. I'm Neil McCready, Chris Landry with me here today as well. It is Friday, February the 26th, a uh, wet and soggy day here in uh, Oxford, Mississippi today, pouring down rain, it's supposed to rain all weekend long. So if you're out and about, be careful. Thanks for being with us today. Hope you're having a great week. Hope you have a great weekend ahead. Uh, Chris, how are you? Neil, I'm doing well. Uh, hope it dries up there. Hope everybody has a nice weekend as uh, we're getting into the stretch run of the basketball season. Lots of football news to talk about. It's always good to join you and our great listeners, followers that join us in the 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 thread. Is it thread or thread? What is the uh, what is the proper term there? Thread. Thread. Okay, I just yes. want to make sure. You know, I. You know. <laughs> or in the chat, whatever. What's chat that? in the chat. That's that's. If I was smart enough, I would have come up with that. But anyway, always great, and um, you can always send us a question via Twitter as well or email over at Landry Football. We've got one of those this week. But yeah, doing good. And um, daughter off to school. Okay, everything good. Oh yeah, she's back in Fayetteville and and um, back at it. So they had a little. They divided their. Uh, their spring break into two breaks because if you have one break, COVID will get you. But if you have two breaks, you trick the virus. And so uh, that's that's what they've done. They, they so were, they've had a spring break already? Well, part of a spring break. They part of a spring break. They're not, having, they're not having a traditional spring break because if you have a traditional spring break. It would be in the spring. Well, also, you would be able to <laughs> fool the virus. But if you, I got you. If you divide the, the break up, the virus is confused and therefore it can't come get you. I, I'm laughing because people have asked me, well, Chris, how do you, are you watching the spring football, meaning the college football that's taking place, Division One AA? And I said, no, I'm watching winter football. And then when it t- officially turns spring, I'll be, I'll be keeping an eye out on that too. But. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad they've got you watching it. I, I, I'm, I think I'm a creep. Well, I, I, let, let's, let's put a pause on that. I'm pretty busy seven days a week filming it, getting ready for the draft. I've got my eye on it. I'm watching it, but you know what? The prospects, even like at North Dakota State, you know, the top two guys, they're not playing. Right. And, and they're not going to. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know, when it's – I can keep an eye out on it. I'm going to watch that more than I'm going to watch, you know, a basketball or a baseball game or something like that. So. Yeah, I just – it's it's maybe at some point I'll turn it on. I just I, – <laughs> I, I, I think you'll be disappointed. Frankly. Yeah, it doesn't it, – I've <laughs> never been enough of- – I wouldn't encourage it, you know. I mean, it's kind of like, kind of like, you know, I, you know, I got the flu, Neil. I, you ought to try it. I mean, you know, I'm not selling it to anybody, but you know, I don't think I've ever been enough of a sports fan to do that. Basically, I, I used to think I was, and then, like in the pandemic, I was, you know, I, I missed Major League Baseball, and the, the Korean Baseball League was on, and I was like, well, I'm gonna, tr- I'm gonna try it, and I, I got through like a couple of innings, and I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm bored. And, and so it's really, it's really been, I, I'm an interesting case study. I think if, if I'm normal, the sports world's in some trouble here, if they don't get back to normal soon, because I normally watch a lot of NBA. I normally watch a lot of college basketball. I, I have found it difficult this year to watch it. it. The NBA doesn't look the same to me because it it doesn't look like what I'm used to it looking like and college basketball doesn't sound the same and so i'm i'm less engaged in it like i don't you know i when i think about college base basketball in march for example 
I think about like the Big East tournament in New York, and it's crazy. And you know, you got St. John's and Georgetown, and all these people that are going at each other, and these these this packed Madison Square Garden venue, and and the kids are playing, you know, some of the best basketball of their lives. And I'm used to turning on that ACC tournament, and you've got a quarterfinal game between Virginia and Duke, and it's packed, and all the North Carolina people are there cheering for Virginia. And, I'm used to that. You take that away and it's just basketball. And I don't know that it's appealing enough. And so I'm probably not going to be the guy that turns on Jacksonville state versus whoever the hell they're playing in middle, middle to late February. It's just, it, I'm, I'm glad the kids are getting to play. I'm, I'm it's cool for whatever. It just doesn't do much for me. I'll admit that out loud. And you normally, folks, fans normally have to be invested to a certain point, know something about them. And, you know, I know for me, when I watch it, it'll be looking at players that maybe, um, you know, it, it, people watch their teams and watch other teams on a sport that they follow and they're a little bit invested in when you don't know. You don't when you don't know as much about the Division One AA schools, which most people don't. You don't watch. Why do people watch North Dakota State when they're in the playoffs? It's well, two things. It's a downtime because it's the period between the bowl game starting and hey, they got a quarterback there. That's a draft. Oh, I want to hear about you know, and then, and it's just not when you don't have that. You don't have it, and I think that is the case with basketball. I think basketball before the pandemic we talked about it on tuesday lost a lot of its luster because i think i think when you can watch a player go through three years and you see them grow i mean you think about the michael jordans and the len bias the late len biases of the world that you saw playing for quite a while and you associated with them at maryland at north carolina whatever it is even if you didn't like them you knew they were they were there you watch you mentioned st john's it was mullins it was mark jackson it was the bill wennington it was walter berry and you know, I mean, it, you, 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 you associated with them, you know, it was John Pannon and, and the Pickneys at Villanova and coach mass. And he just, you identified it. You, now it's like, who, you know I mean? You know, that that's why the coaches are so popular. You don't know who the hell the players are. They, they, they're so fast in and out. They're like a revolving door. So it, you just that's don't get point. it. People know who Jay Wright is the coach at Villanova. But if you ask, Hey, name two players on the Villanova team would know where to start. And you know, it's, 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 it's definitely different than than it used to be. Yeah, small town makes a great point. I agree with him. He says with no or limited crowd, some of these games feel like scrimmages. They do. They yeah, they do. They look like scrimmages. They sound like scrimmages. Particularly basketball, don't you think? Where they they're right on you, and you just you know you got to run. You know, boom. You know, you're down. All of a sudden, it's you know it's a twelve point lead, but then now somebody's making a run, and they got it down to four, and they put up a three, and you hear the. The the gasp of boom, like you said, either the fans or the fans in a in a tournament atmosphere, a conference tournament atmosphere, where they're responding to whoever they want, they're pulling for a close, boom, and then you know when it goes in and it's like and timeout, that that is that's huge. Yeah, all that's lost, all that's lost, right? All gone. All right, uh, a guy who's not going to be playing in one double A is Ty Simpson, the quarterback at uh, Martin, Tennessee. His dad, uh, Jason, is the head coach at UT Martin. Um, I've known about Ty for years. He's been coming to Ole Miss camps, Mississippi State camps. He's got ties to to both schools in Mississippi. Uh, he's supposed to announce today, I believe. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Clemson, but now it's not necessarily a sure thing that he's a Clemson Tiger. Yeah, you know, um, it's I guess the way I would describe it is like one of those 
relay races, you know, where somebody's got a four second lead and it's like, you don't even see the second place out. It was Clemson and Clemson was just, they were lapping the field and they're gone. Well, Alabama's just made a run and a run and a run. And now as they announced that 3 PM, as he announces at 3 PM Eastern today, it's does Clemson literally, this is how I would describe it. Does Clemson hold off Alabama or does Alabama win at the wire? Cause that's kind of how it's been played out. It has been a, almost a foregone conclusion. Um, and, and I don't sense that's anything that Clemson has done wrong in terms of backing off or, you know, and nothing like that. It's just Alabama's made quite a bit of run. Bill O'Brien has done a really good job with them. Um, and so Clemson or Alabama, 3 p.m. Eastern, stay tuned. We're going to find out. We're going to have it on Twitter today for you. you. And Go ahead. I'm sorry. What do you think is going to happen? I, I honestly, the way I described it is that's, that's why I described it that way. It is Clemson's been in the lead and they're down and, and they're absolutely or a horse race, whatever, whatever is your thing. And now it is, I think it's neck and neck. And I mean, it may be a, I look for those of you that are old, affirmed Aladar. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, boom. I mean, it's just, it's, I think it's that close, but I, that's, the way I described it is because it's been Clemson, Clemson. And I've been hearing Alabama's making strides. Okay, well, you know, making strides, making strides. All right, still got gap to making more strides. Okay, gap, gap, you know. Now it's just, well, um, you know, if 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 I was just, I have no problem just making a guess, but, but, oh. I, but I don't want people to think I know something because I don't. It's really neck and neck. I would say the momentum definitely is in Alabama's favor. So if it's down to neck and neck and it's that last stride, you know, Alabama's made up a lot of ground. I think the only issue is has they made up enough. I, I, I guess I would probably lean towards them, but, I, you know, I don't see it. It's obviously Tennessee, while initially, I don't know if they're ever really in it through, I mean, they weren't in it through all the chaos, but early on. But it's interesting. Um you know, the one thing is obviously Clemson's pretty close, you know, geographically. I don't think that's going to be a factor. I think he's going to look and see where his his future, um, you know. So we'll see. We'll see where. Uh, but he's a really good dual threat guy. He's got some ability. And, um, you know, he's he's really advanced in terms of a bright kit, you know. I've already added the, uh, the the scroll of the breaking news. Chris Landry reporting Ty Simpson to Alabama. There, there it is. you go. Uh, you, look at look at you. You got yeah. <laughs> good, good. Do that. You do that. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm reporting that. Sure. Oh, how good? I, I, I've had that conversation. <laughs> how, how how good is the kid? I think the kid's really good. He's a dual threat guy. I think he can extend plays. He can throw off platform. I think what makes him a little unique is that he's on top of that. Um, he's really advanced in understanding the game. He really likes the game and the cliche coach's son. That's not always the case because some of those guys just do it because their dad coach. Uh, I think he's really good. Is he, you know, the be all, the end all, the answer to everybody that's to be determined on how well he develops and what he's to put in it and all that. I think he's really good. And, uh, I think anybody in the country would want him off of what he's done to this point. Is there any chance at all that it's not Alabama or Clemson? Is there any chance? It's uh, I haven't heard anybody else in it. Okay. I mean, Tennessee. That So that would be the, 
okay, that would be the shocker. Um, Tennessee keeps them close to home and, you know, Josh Heupel, man, what a start for him. And he's convinced them we're going to score a million. That would be the surprise. There's no indication of that. But one thing I will tell you, and I know you're just kidding, is predicting what a college kid's going to do, trusting what they're going to do as we do the show, um, (laughs) knowing that five minutes later, you know, it it just – you never know. By the way, I, I stumbled in a second. You know, I just thought of something. And I know this is kind of eerie, and I don't want to change subject and get right back, but do you realize that on Tuesday when we were doing the show and you were probably right in the middle of your discussion of John Calipari in Kentucky, and I don't know if this is eerie, and I don't mean to be dramatic. I, I don't mean it to be this way. That's exactly the time that Tiger Woods's car was tumbling. I mean, it, yeah. you ever think about stuff like that, that like, it, it, uh, it's like a whole world we live in and it's a small world, but it's a big world. It's like, as that you were doing that, that's exactly the time where literally his life was in the balance. And I, I it just dawned on me because I just looked at the time and this was the, anyway, I didn't mean to get off track, but it just hit me with, you know, with like, you know, I don't know what a kid's going to announce and, you know, five at nine o'clock and at nine 30, you know, I've got stories on that, that just go around. But I would, would, if I had to guess it maybe would be Alabama, but I think it's Alabama Clemson. It'd be fun to watch. You know, there's, there was talk at one point that his father uh, was going to kind of be a part of a package deal would go to one of these schools and stuff. Do you think there was ever anything to that? Or was that just speculation that was out there that, that kind of took on a life of its own? I think there was a lot of speculation about Tennessee and being a part of something there. But as we all know, I mean, <laughs> what staff? I mean, you know, Pruitt and Pruitt's not there. And, you know, who's there now? It's Kevin Steele. And then it's Josh Heupel. It's, I, I don't know that. And then Josh is going to, you know, kind of do his thing on his offense. I, I, I don't know that there was any, any legs to it because there was never any stability there for Tennessee to maybe have a place for him. And I don't know. I never really heard anything about him going to Clemson or Alabama. And, you know, I don't – he's not in his position. I, I don't think he wants to go there as an analyst. But would it would it shock me if he ended up – would anybody shock if he ends up at Alabama? But I, I, I don't – you know, on a staff. I mean, we've seen that before, but I don't know of anything that. A little bit of uh, breaking football news. It's not like massive news, but it's news itself. Uh, ESPN announcing this morning that they're adding the Red Tails Classic to college football's opening weekend lineup, honoring the uh, Tuskegee Airmen. So uh, Tuskegee will play Fort Valley State at the Crampton Bowl in uh, Montgomery, Alabama on Sunday, September (laughs) 5th, that game's going to be at uh, 7 Eastern, 6 Central on ESPNU. Um, we can see uh, it'll be one of two games played at the Crampton Bowl to open the college football season. The inaugural Montgomery Classic will be played on that Wednesday, September the 1st, featuring Jacksonville State against UAB. Uh, so it'll be a, something to look forward to as we start thinking about the fall a little bit because I think stadiums are going to be far more open. That's what it sounds like. Uh, we're going to get back to something resembling normal and a lot of games that first weekend of September. So starting on uh, Wednesday, September the 1st, I'm sure there's some games 
a couple of games the weekend before that. I just don't know of them off the top of my head, but uh, that's something to look forward to. That first weekend of um, of September, I know that uh, Ole Miss plays on Monday, September the sixth, in Atlanta against Louisville as part of that first opening weekend. So there's a lot of football to look forward to once we get to uh, to September. Yeah, a couple of uh, just a knock out a couple of recruiting notes. Um, I like to do that for you uh, out there. Um, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but Missouri getting a commitment from uh, Jamarian Gooch, a good player that that I like um, from Gallatin, Tennessee. They flipped him from um, from the Vols. Uh, I think he's a technically sound kid for his you know his age. I think he's a little bit better. I think he's graded three three star ish. We don't grade him that way, and 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 I'll in the coaching world, he's he's a little bit better than that. Bobby Taylor, a good get for AM. They continue to roll. Four star kid, defensive back, 6'1, 170. Um, it's the fifth for them in the 2022 class. Uh, Michigan, Texas, LSU, Oklahoma. The others, they're really good looking player, top 300 level player. Um, and then Anthony Rose, a really good get for uh, Shane Beamer out at South Carolina this week. The safety there's really good looking uh, player. Rangy guy that could grow into maybe even doing some of the big safety outside backer stuff that I think's good, uh, good looking player, but, uh, Tennessee, LSU, bunch of others. So that's just, uh, not a complete list. I usually do this Neil on Friday for the folks that are interested. Um, Friday night, I'll kind of do a recap around the country of commitments. Like last week, I think we had 17 that are, you know, quality commitments between the class of 2022, 23 for that week. Just kind of get people update over at LandryFootball.com. Just some, you know, rattling off some some quick news on on uh, to finish up the recruiting part. You got a mailbag question the other day about uh, Auburn, about what Auburn has to do now with uh, Brian Harson there as the head coach, that new staff. What does Auburn have to do to take the next step, which I assume means close the gap with Georgia and Alabama? Yeah, and, you know, let's just even stay in the West, right? Um you know, we know where Alabama is and, and will be as long as Nick Saban decides to stay there and can stay there, you know, from, from a health standpoint, of course. But let's just examine the West because it's all relative, right? I mean, you can be really good and get better, but who who do you climb in ahead of? A&M is really developing a lot of talent and a really sound program. Um, LSU is a little more inconsistent. Um um, you know, you you kind of, but they're they're more talented. So where does that put Auburn? Well, that puts Auburn fourth. Um, and you know, so what they have to do, and I think Brian's a really good coach. What they have to do is get top five classes nationally. You know, seven, eight, nine, where you're fourth in the West is not going to do it. Or you're going to have to up coach him. You're going to have to consistently do it. And, you know, you mentioned Alabama, Georgia, and rightly so, because they play them every year. Well, if you're going up against opponents that are decidedly better, and let's just look at some numbers. This is this is indicative, but not we, – we mentioned this on Tuesday, went through the rankings. So if you're looking at Auburn with two five-stars on the roster, zero coming in, 44, four-stars, four coming in, versus 16 five-stars, to four, four uh, five stars coming in, so twenty to two five star advantage with Georgia, and then fifty one 
62 to 48 advantage in four stars. You want to go Alabama? You know, 19 five stars on the roster. Um, 76, so 76 to 44. I mean, you see, you see that that's, again, that's, that's a numerical way to kind of give you a little bit of an overview of where they are. So that has to close. That has to close over time. Or else, you know, 10 and 2 is like going undefeated. And then that's assuming that you beat LSU and AM. And if it's a year where you have to play Florida, I, I just, we've talked about it. It's a tougher job than people think. Yet, you know, having covered it, that the fan base thinks that they, you know, they should be where Alabama is. They should compete for titles. And they have done it. Not consistently, but they've done it. But it usually coincides with somebody, you know, one year, the kick six and all. I mean, you, you, you get into situations where they're going to need some help with people playing down to them a little bit until Auburn's able to get to that level. And, and the question is, and it's a rhetorical one, and nobody can tell me, nor can I say whether Brian Harson is going to do it. Can he recruit top five classes? Can he recruit with Georgia and Alabama? If he can, even with LSU and m if he can, I do believe that coaching-wise they could be in that mix. If he can't, well, then they're probably looking at most years fourth in the West going in with the understanding that I think they're probably better coached and more consistently coached over time than, say, like LSU that's been – LSU's been up and down with them, you know, um, you know, like Auburn has, quite frankly. You know, so I, that's kind of – the short answer is you're going to have to recruit at the elite level, just like Florida is going to have to recruit at the same level that Georgia is, or they're going to have to find a way to upset them or outcoach them. And I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying that's what's going to have to happen. We're going to jump around a little bit. It's Friday. There's no 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 games to play this weekend. No one's playing games. So we'll, we'll, I'll ask this. Jeffrey Parrott has a question in the thread. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll highlight it for you. He says, Chris, what do the Texans do with Deshaun Watson's my way or the highway approach to his feeling on being traded? Also, what does Cal McNair do if he, show, if he being Deshaun Watson, shows up and pulls a James Harden? For those who don't know what that means, if you're not an NBA guy, James Harden wanted to be traded from the Houston Rockets. The Rockets were resistant. So James Harden uh, quit working out, gained a little weight, um, showed up kind of half-assed it through some Rockets games. Um, pretty obvious that he was not emotionally uh, engaged in what was going on, and he f- sort of forced the Rockets' hand, and, and James Harden was subsequently traded to the Brooklyn Nets, where since then he's been playing MVP-caliber basketball. So for th- that's providing a little context there, Chris, for, for what he's referencing. And so at that, with that, I will hand you the floor. Well, I think what you have to do if you're the Texans and of course they've put themselves in a tough situation is first of all, you don't have guaranteed contracts. So if Deshaun Watson doesn't show up, he doesn't get paid. So look, I'm not going to say what he will or won't do. I would just say that the likelihood that he's going to just turn away $40 million, uh, it's not likely. So, um, I, he's not somebody that is, normally a malcontent, although he's, he's certainly not happy and he's expressing it, uh, in his own way. 
Um, I, I think if you're the Texans, what you have to do, and I, I put myself in that situation, you can't, well, we're going to get rid of them to get rid of them. We're going to get rid of them is not the answer. Is he is a valued commodity, and we're going to have to get we're going to have to get so much in return to make it worth our while. And so I do think that trade is always a possibility. Anything's always possibility for the right price. Um, but in print, maybe this is what Jeffrey's kind of alluding to is he can make it difficult to where it's so untenable. Well, I get that, but there's a little bit different in the NFL and I understand enough about the NBA, uh, contracts to know that there's, it, it's different in that. <clears throat> so he's under contract Deshaun is, if he doesn't show up, not only will he not get paid because but but they can find him up to a certain amount. And and so that adds up. And you don't see many people do that. We've only we've had very few people ever go through that process. And you you don't have a, a long lifespan in this league. I mean, if he's willing to say I'm gonna sacrifice forty million dollars to do something like that, he he can do it. I just I'd say I don't I, I don't know that the chances are great, but I, I I can't speak for him. Well I mean Harden showed up and played. He just kind of played he didn't play with much enthusiasm and i don't think that happens because the sioux sports are different but what do you do if you're if you're the texans well see that you see that he's there but he's not really there well if he does that in the nfl then what he does he takes his value on the market and people wanting him to a level that is not good now i i know the nba is basically run by the players yeah, I know we're getting a little bit more of that, and I know you know Russell Wilson's come out said this and that, and we get we get players now saying more. However, um, without guaranteed money, and even if he showed up and he did well, well then what does that say about him? And so, if I am a team that is interested in Deshaun Watson, and by the way, there are very few teams that would not be interested. If he suddenly does that, and I'm thinking, whoa, yeah, this this guy is not the guy I thought, and you know, don't think that he's not going to do that with you if he's unhappy about something else. So that becomes like, ooh, you know what? I'm it's buyer beware there. So I think he understands that, and I think the the total landscape of the NFL is a little different. Personally, I mean, I, in, in essence, I don't think you get away with it to some degree. Now, people may say, "Well, wait a minute," Antonio Brown found his way onto the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, roster. Yeah, but look at how much money he lost in doing it, and he got back. But he just let a lot of money on the table by his antics, and you know, it may be emotional issues with him and whatnot. To where I'm not saying he did it strategically as much as he's just got the knucklehead disease. So we have a question here as we talk quarterbacks. You mentioned Tiger Woods on Tuesday. He was on his way to play golf with a couple of NFL quarterbacks, um, Justin Herbert of the Chargers and. Drew Brees, who as of this moment is still currently with the New Orleans Saints. Matt has a question. He says, Chris, what should the Saints do at quarterback, assuming that Brees is retiring? So I'll add a little something to this question and then hand it to you, which is, do is it is it fair at this point to assume that Drew Brees is definitely retiring? Yeah, I have not heard anything that Drew is wavering, but then I can't answer the question why it's taken him so long or why, you know, uh, I do know this. 
that um, they they did restructure his deal to make, and, and that more than anything was the 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 contractual fait accompli to he's retired because they made it to where it was to the Saints, you know, benefit to kind of ease the pain a little bit cap wise. So I haven't heard anything that he's wavering. And I think it could be a little bit more. I mean, it's just a matter of an announcement. I, I don't know why he, he hasn't, you know, I don't know what, if he's got vacation plans, he wants to think it more. He wants, I, I don't know the timing. I can't explain the timing, why it wasn't last week or two weeks or today or next. I, I don't, I don't, I don't have that answer because there's really nothing there. Uh, and look, is there a possibility that, you know, he might reconsider? I, you know, he, l- let me say this. He had decided to retire last year and then he changed his mind, but it wasn't definite. And maybe it's just, I want to make sure. I want to make sure that when I announce it, that I'm not a week later, sorry, wish I'd have given it more time. Maybe that's it. And so I think they're, I know this and the saints organization, they're, they're, they're planning that he's retiring and they can redirect, of course, if he changes his mind, but I I think it's moving on what they're going to do. Knowing Sean Peyton, Sean is, is very eager to show people how bright he is about how he can take Jameis Winston and Hill and, and kind of create that. I, I think that's a part of them. I, I, I would not rule out that the right guy in the draft that he falls in love in that in love with that he would do it. Uh, I, let me just answer the question because it hadn't been because it's been one that's been mentioned. Russell Wilson has thrown out the Saints as one of the teams. All right, yeah, sounds good. Cap situation is going to make it difficult to do that, but it's doable. Look, you can create cap room. It's just think a cap room is like a credit card. With with no uh, credit limit, and you're gonna have to pay it cap wise, and you know I, I don't know what Sean feels about that. Sean Payton will make that decision. Mickey Loomis will make it work contractually. Um, you know, so you know, Matt asked about where they bring Teddy Bridgewater back. Well, I don't know where there's the fit for Teddy. Teddy's gonna want to go where he's not the backup, and you know, I think he's at least has a chance to compete. Um, it's possible. I mean, it's possible. Could he beat out Winston if Winston start turning the football over possibility, but I think that they're going to look for more what they consider a starter option. And, and if they're going to make a move and add somebody, they'd like to go in that direction. So maybe trade and draft. <clears throat> what, what did you make of, um, Russell Wilson's comments that, that, Hey, I'm not demanding to be traded. I'm not <laughs> particularly happy, but Hey, if you were to trade me, here are four places I'd be willing to go. Yeah, that's the agent. And, and of course, that's that's how these insider shifters and all that, that's where they get the majority of the information, the agents. I don't sure. know if people are aware of that. So that is the agent. Literally, it came from the agent. In fact, I think he quoted the agent in there. It's the agent, Mark Mark Tolum, uh, uh, Schefter. Yeah, oh, we want to stay. So what does that mean? Oh, 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 we're not, you know. Seattle fans don't get mad at us. We're not asking for a trade. We want to stay. It's not us. We just, you know, Russell would just like to be the GM and the head coach, you know, and make all the decisions, but it's not us. We really want to stay, but, you know, let's, 
have, throw this out there if you don't mind, and then we'll obviously give you a insider nugget down the road. We'll give you that. That's how that stuff works. Sure. Um, the my take is, look, I'm old school. Okay, I, I get it, and it's it's one of the reasons why consulting is better than me running a team because I would I, I cannot deal with this. Players play, coaches coach, scouts scouts, administrators administer, and owners own. Okay, um, a player. I mean, I, I was critical of John Elway. I was, you know, Peyton Manning. I, guys that are great, guys that are cerebral, guys that see the game, doesn't make you the guy that makes the, you're the most qualified to make the decision on who you should draft. And, you know, because his comment was, I'd like to be involved in the decision. Same thing with Deshaun Watson. Now, if the Texans told Deshaun Watson that they were going to um, clue him in or, or, or run it by him who they're going to want as GM, that's stupid. Because you would, you should never have a player. You know, if, if if in terms of, hey, what do you think of Neil? What do you think about old John here? You know, because maybe you know him, maybe you played with him in college, maybe you played against him. You know, you whatever. Maybe you worked out with him in the offseason. What do you think? What type of guy? Sure, but never be involved in the decision. So no, I um, I I don't like his tone when he said that. And I don't know that his future in Seattle is great. And I think he stepped over the line. And I think this is usually premeditated. And I think him doing it and saying what he said is an indicator that he's trying to work his way out of Seattle. And then the comment is for PR. Oh, no, no, I don't. Fans, I, I don't want to be out of Seattle. But if I do, here's some teams. <laughs> so let me let me throw these teams at you. We're. we're Let's let's say that the damage is done in Seattle, that the relationship is has now been damaged. And Seattle goes, you know what, we weren't planning on this, but let's move him. I don't think that's going to happen, but let's say it would. You talked about the Saints just then. He also mentioned the Dallas Cowboys. He mentioned the Las Vegas Raiders, and he mentioned the Chicago Bears. Which of those makes sense from a cap and fit standpoint? Well, the Saints could make it work. It's not a fit cap wise and it's maybe not probably not the direction they want to do but they could do it um you know the bears thing is interesting i'm glad he's interested in them i think it's a team that has a chance and needs to needs to hit quick on the quarterback position at least from there i would advise it for their head coach and gms uh not only quality of life initially but their their job security um I think those are the, the Las Vegas. I mean, Gruden loves every quarterback. I, I, I just, you know, I don't, I mean, there's not a guy that Gruden wouldn't love. Um, who am I leaving out then to? Um, Bears. Well, I mentioned the Bears. Raiders. I mentioned the Saints. I mentioned Raiders. the Raiders. That's, that's the three. That's the three. Cowboys uh, with the other one. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Cowboys. Well, that's interesting in that. That's not a – it's not going to be a great cap situation. So I'll throw this out there. If you're the Cowboys, would you want to do a deal and move Dak for Russell Wilson? I would. So if you could do that, 
and and you know does again it's got to work both ways is that what seattle wants to do that's what dallas wants to do it's a possibility i know he's not on i know no he's not on their list but how about houston deshaun watson now it's it's going to cost it's going to take a little bit more than just but to me if you're a team like that and you know seattle needs seattle you, you need to re- replace talent with talent and so Seattle has to they have to get their quarterback. And so what do they want to do there? Do they want to draft their next Russell Wilson or do they want to get a guy that can be, you know, uh, that answer right now? And, you know, those, you know, Dak and Deshaun would certainly fit that category of guys. Is it is it complicated? Am I saying it's a possible is a strong possibility? No, I'm not. But I think it's something to consider. All right. You talk quarterbacks. One of the quarterbacks that I know you get asked about a good bit, he just got through winning a national title, finished runner-up for the Heisman, um, Mac Jones, former Alabama quarterback. I guess he's still the Alabama quarterback, but he's not going to – you know what I mean. Uh, Mac Jones, I'm looking at a – I was searching while you were talking, um, in case you thought I wasn't listening. I was, but I was searching for something so that I could transition to the next thing. I was looking for a a mock draft. I'm on Charlie Casserly's right now, and I might have missed it. He looking for Mac Jones. He doesn't have Mac Jones in the first round of the draft, the best I can tell. What are you hearing about about Mac Jones? All over. I think I think there's there's a chance he could go there. And there's, you know, I don't know that I buy that he's gonna go real high. I think he could potentially be in play depending on what happens. Um with Carolina. I think taking him at eight might be rich but uh i think i think you I, I think there's a decent chance he'll go in the first round where i think we'll see five i think definitely four quarterbacks overall here's the thing on mac um so people ask me a lot about him I and mean, somebody asked me the other day in an alabama show about who's going to have the most success at the nfl level mac or Tua. i mean two alabama guys so Mac is different. Mac is a pocket guy. He's in the day uh an age of being able to throw off platform. And, and and of course, you know, you know, folks, that means is when you can't set your feet. People say, Well, you didn't get your feet on him. Well, well, welcome to today's game where you can't get your feet set on you a whole lot. He is really good from a clean pocket. He's really advanced in terms of seeing the field, making good decisions. He throws it accurately. Um but you have to, like any quarterback, but even more so with a guy that's a pocket guy, you have to provide a clean pocket. You don't have, and, and he had that at Alabama and he had weapons, you know, but no, it's not accurate to say the weapons made him uh, or he made the weapons. It's a team game and people play that barroom game or, or talk radio game. Which one's more important? There is no more important. Okay. I mean, there is no more important. What's more important, your transmission or your tires? Well, you're not going anywhere if you don't have both. Okay. It's just that simple. But you got to understand most of it's not, the draft is not about like this guy, don't like that. This guy's better than that guy. It's not that. It's more of how a guy fits or doesn't fit. Pocket guy can be real successful, good team around him. He can make plays, good decisions, better than some guys even in the league. Sees the field better than Tua. But Mac doesn't move very well. So if you're talking about play extensions and doing things, 
you know, the the ultimate out of platform guy, the Josh Allen's, the the Patrick Mahomes that can throw it from different arm angles. Well, that's not Mac. He's not going to do that. So that, if you're looking for that, Deshaun Watson can throw it different platforms and has played very well uh, since he's been in the league. But you know, look at Deshaun. We talk about Deshaun and how great he is. If it's all great quarterback and everybody would like him, they won four games last year in Houston. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 the most important position on the football field, but it's the most dependent. So, you know, I think Mac is even more so dependent. I think there's a little bit of Joe Burrow in him, but probably not even as athletic as Joe Burrow. Um, so he's got a role, he's got a future. Um, don't buy into because this is the other thing. I'll just answer it. No one's asked this, but it's asked this in other areas. So you know, we hear that uh, this guy's moving up and down the board. Folks, here's a little tip. NFL draft boards are not set. Okay, they're not set until their final meetings when you get done late March, early April. So when all the information is done and everybody's read the report, people say, well, I don't get it. The season's been over. It When you, as scouts, study these players all year long, at the end of the pro season, the – Coaches on the NFL teams who are not looking at college tape, you know, during the season, they're preparing for their team. They're now looking at other NFL players on tape. They're looking at college players on tape. And normally we have, we had senior bowl this year. Normally, by the way, we'd be at the combine this weekend. Um, That was, you know, obviously not. So you are spending into through March, early April, looking at, fall film of players and looking at film from two years ago and studying them when it's all said and done, then people will have their board set up. So guys can't move up or down on a board that hadn't been established yet. So that's, that's a misnomer. You hear that in the, the draft pundits world where this guy's moving up. No, not moving up. It's just that they just got information, you know, on Tuesday that they didn't have last Thursday. So they're moving. That's all they do is gathering information. That's just kind of the way it is. So I, I think that, that Mac, there is, the other thing is there are 32 different-looking boards. Are there going to be maybe a team or two or three that might have a Zach Wilson or a Mac Jones ready to head a Trevor Lawrence? You bet. It, the only thing that matters is, you know, whether it's Jacksonville thing because they got the number one pick and then two and three. It, it's not about a consensus. It's about who do they like, the fit. Um, I think Mac will be successful if – properly handled like a lot of – I think Sam Donald's a good quarterback. He hasn't shown much of it because – mainly because of the team he's around. Um, I think you put Patrick Mahomes on the Detroit Lions, and I – you know, they're, they're not making the playoffs, and you're watching highlights of him making plays like you've seen Matt Stafford do, but they don't win. And, quote-unquote, he's not a winner. Well, he's not a winner. Well, no, you see, there's that's, that's a bigger point. I think Matt can be a great leader because I think he is that. I don't think he's overly big, overly physically gifted, but I think he can be a quality starter that you can win with. He's not going to be a guy that's going to win for you, but you can win with him. Now, where does that put him? On most people's board, it would put him behind, you know, Lawrence in fields, um, Zach Wilson, and most teams by behind Trey Lance. So he's probably fifth on most people's boards in the NFL when it's all said and done to project it. But some people, June Jones came out 
and made a comment. June is not working in the league anymore, but he made a comment that he thought he was the best quarterback in this draft. Love June, and that's fine. That's an opinion, and that opinion may be shared by other people in the league. Not a consensus. Doesn't need to be a consensus. I'm going to ask you about some wide receivers in the draft in a minute because it is very SEC heavy at that spot. First, I want to tell you that we're brought to you by Blue Sky. Uh, Blue Sky believes – and put up their banner here. Let's see. Get that up. If I can find it. There it is. Blue Sky believes in being fast, fresh, and friendly. Throughout the thoughtful lay- layout and cleanliness of their stores, Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experience from services to products. Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh, always provide the freshest flavors of their brand name products and the best services available. They even bring in some of the newest products and market on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer experience. A smile can say it all, and at Blue Sky, they want to show their customers they care about them and their shopping experience. They always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any one of their 48 store locations across the Southeast. We are also brought to you by our friends at, um, I'm sorry, our friends at Alpha Specialties, located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi. It's your trailer-specific professional. If you want to haul it, they can call it. Alpha is the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail, the premium brand trailer, the highest quality utility, equipment, dump, and gooseneck trailers being built today. Fully primed and powder-coated load trail trailers come with an industry-leading three-year warranty and two years of roadside assistance. Alpha Specialties also has Hallmark Cargo Trailers, one of the most quality cargo trailers on the market, perfect for hauling goods to markets and shows, ATVs to deer camp, hauling race cars, and more. Alpha can even work with third parties to have game day trailers and concession trailers built just for you. For podcast listeners, Alpha has spare tires and wheels starting at just $100. A full selection of trailer parts and accessories, hitches, winches, straps, and more. They also do all types of truck accessories. Listeners can get 10% off a yearly trailer service and inspection at Alpha's full service shop. They can also repair all types of trailers, concession, horse, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, RV, and more. So give them a call, 601-932-9798, or check them out at alphaofms.com. And make sure that you tell them that you heard about Alpha on the MPW Digital Network of Podcasts, which includes SEC football and beyond. All right, Chris, let's talk some wide receivers because everybody uh, talks quarterbacks. Quarterbacks got to have somebody to throw it to. You've got Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Kyle Pitts, and always a tight end, um, Elijah Moore at Ole Miss. I mean, there's a bunch of guys, uh, SEC guys that are – First round, early second round in this draft. How do you sort of see that shaking out? I'm glad you mentioned Kyle Pitts because he is a weapon and people will maybe say things like, well, it's tight end and he's it's not a blocker. That's that's really not what you want. He's an H, he's a Y flex. So he's he's a guy that is um a weapon and he and he deserves to be in the mix. Now, in terms of where the receivers are gonna go, look, I think it's I think it's a little bit of a debate because you've got three guys in the all, all also from the SEC that you've got Devontae Smith, who's the most accomplished this past year, won the Heisman, very polished. Um, you know, I think he's got a little Marvin Harrison in him. You know, I think he's just so quick out of in and out of his cuts, and I think he's going to be outstanding. I think he can. He's got great versatility. I think he can play 
X, he can play Z, but I think he can be really good in the slot. Um, so a lot of it is, and again, it's not who's the best. It's they're different. They're not, I don't even call them on, on the board at Landry football. I don't call them wide receivers because they're receivers. Right. Some are wide, some are inside. Jamar Chase, we forget a little bit because Jamar didn't play last year. Jamar is bigger. Um, he's kind of a Roddy White type, you know, big guy with, you know, great ability to win 50-50 balls. He's, uh, he's, he's an, a true X. And so if you're looking for that, that bigger guy, that that's, that's who you're going to favor. Uh, because I think they're going to have these guys are going to have similar grades. Then you got Jalen Waddle, who we forget also because he went out with an injury. And and quite frankly, I I don't know. We'll never know that um, if Devontae would have won the Heisman, if if Waddle been you know because maybe the you know the the big plays would have been split up enough to where maybe Devontae doesn't win it. And not and and that the perfect example of why you don't. You don't draft or do things based on awards because it's opportunity, right? You know, opportunity. And, you know, Devontae would have been is still just as talented. We saw what he can do given the opportunity to Alabama. But if Waddle had been there, probably the number, I, I think most definitely the numbers wouldn't have been the same. But Waddle's got the better speed of the bunch. So he's the rugs of this group that is the vertical stretch guy. He's the he's the Z he's the, he's the guy that's going to be, you, you play him at flanker and he gets up the field and he terrorizes you with his speech. So what do you want? I mean, it's kind of like going on a, on a car lot. What do you want? You want the SUV, you want the pickup, you want the sedan. I mean, they're all good. They all may be, you know, so now you're just trying to decide when you evaluate them in my mind and I'm getting ready to unveil it. They're going to all end up with six, five grades for me and maybe even six, nine, which those of you that the Landry football.com members, you know what that means. That's, that's pretty high. It's really good. Um, and so it's, but they're different. And so what it is that you want, it's not, well, I, you should take this on that one. You got, you got to understand that there's a, there's a different, there's a different traits for all three, but I think they're equally as good and I think there's a little bit of a separation because I like Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore is a different type of guy, but I think he'll be explosive. And many others, by the way, there's a ton of good receivers. Uh, I want to ask you about this. We've talked about the LSU situation throughout the fall into the uh, into the winter. This is a story uh, in the Baton Rouge Advocate written by Andrea Gallo and Brooks Cabina. Reads, former LSU head football coach Les Miles reached a settlement with a former student who accused him of harassment several years ago, and the settlement has surfaced as investigators probe the university's handling of sexual misconduct and domestic violence complaints. Multiple sources with direct knowledge of the situation have confirmed to the advocate in the Times-Picayune. The episode goes back about a decade when a former LSU athletic department student intern accused Miles of, quote, hitting on her, end quote, three of the sources said, quote, as part of the Hush Blackwell review and our internal investigations, we've heard about a settlement, but LSU is not a party to it, and we have not seen it. Jim Saburin, the university's vice president of strategic communications, said when presented with the allegations Wednesday, Hush Blackwell, of course, is the law firm LSU hired to scrutinize the university's handling of sexual misconduct 
and other complaints reached by phone on Wednesday. Miles, now the head coach of the University of Kansas, denied he made advances towards a student intern. That's not true. He said, you would remember this, uh, Chris, Miles was also a target of a 23, 2013 investigation, I should say, sexual harassment investigation that LSU commissioned from law firm Taylor Porter, which delved into allegations that he sexually harassed student workers and made sexist comments about others. The newspaper said its reporters interviewed three people familiar with the sexual harassment investigation, and those people told them that the review determined Miles's actions were improper but did not lead to any, any uh, disciplinary action. We've known this investigation was going on. We've known stuff was going to pop up now going back years and years. Is there any sense down there in Baton Rouge as to where this is all headed? Oh, I don't know. And I'm not, um, you know, the, the pulse of some of the fans and all, I, I don't probably play. I, I really don't pay any as much attention to that, I guess maybe as I should, or, or, or just don't have time to, I, I think there's obviously, as you know, Neil, the, the coach that's out of town, l- like for example, this was going on. You're right. But I always say the me- the media is, is usually local media in college. And, and you may disagree with this or agree. I don't know, but they usually are kid gloves. They usually don't go here. This, this, this could have been done a long time ago, but now that Les is out the door, so it's like, you know, good luck, Ed, because they're, they're coming after you when you get fired because oh, yeah. they ain't, ain't coming out. They, they're, not going on, they're not going inside the closet to look now because you're there. Will Wade, you know, when he, you know, I mean, I mean just my point is, is th- there is a lot of this alleged stuff, supposed stuff, rumors um, that were going on. I don't know what happened. But when I was asked, you know, are you would this surprise you if if this is true? And the answer is no. Well, why would you say that? Because I've been around them and I've seen things. Um, I've been privy at the university club where I'm a member. You know, where they had the that's not only the home of the LSU golf team, but it's where you had the tournaments like the alumni tournaments and stuff. You know. They actually kicked Les's tournament that he had. Les doesn't play golf, but he has a tournament and goes out there and shake hands and all that kind of stuff. That they they basically the LSU club, U club. It's owned by the Tiger Athletic Foundation. Caught off ties with LSU with Les's tournament. They won't they won't host it anymore. They don't even host it now because of some things that happened with. Gold club strippers, you know, and things that were just inappropriate on the course. And, you know, that was just kind of embarrassing. It's just, uh, let me say this, though. This is in no way. And, and there are other stuff. Look, back, back. this was in the time where LSU was doing pretty good and Les was pretty popular on the field. Before things really started to, you know, turn really, really, really bad. But, you know, there's a lot of things. There's the whole Northgate Apartments, which every look, everybody has their stuff, okay? But, you know, there's well-known apartment that was somehow funded somehow, some way, but that was where Jordan Jefferson and all those guys were found. It was, it was an empty apartment that was kind of known as a, let's just say, where they, there were gatherings. Yeah. Just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, 
Les had a reputation at Oklahoma State and at Michigan of kind of – Les comes across as a very goofy guy. Well, no, no, he is a goofy guy. I, I know he's, he come across it because he is kind of goofy. But let me say this, and this is not in defense of Les. I think a lot of fans – Neil, you kind of know some of these coaches, particularly the ones that you cover, and, and, and some of you may not. People judge coaches on what? Based upon what they say in a press conference because they don't know them. Yeah. I've been a, a party of tons of coaches. Um, I ran the combine, saw a lot of things there, and, and I throw out the combine because that's where everybody's there. They're there, all the staffs. And co- I've been where I've seen embarrassing things with coaches that you look up to and revere. And I, I will say this, that, you know, what do, what do women always say? Guys think with the wrong head and the libido. These guys become very popular. They become iconic. So even if they're old, ugly, <laughs> you know, they're rich, they're on TV a lot, and, you know, the whole sideline shot, they're young girls that and they eat that up. And well, there's it's this, Chris. I've used this analogy before. It's they're human beings. And in many cases, some cases certainly, these are guys that have never been the guy that could walk into the bar and leave with the prettiest girl. Just didn't didn't work. And now all of a sudden, because they have some fame and they have money and they have stature and swagger, and all of a sudden they can. Mm-hmm. Even and even though they're married and those are they're in a different stage of their life. That's a lot of temptation for some of these guys. And some of them can handle it, and some of them can't. And it's as simple as that. And the you you can you know them because you know them as people. I know mm-hmm. a lot of them as people. It is easy for other people to see them as rock stars and mm-hmm. put them up on a pedestal. Uh, just because and don't forget this. This is not a knock on coaches. It's anymore. I would say this about accountants or lawyers or anything. Yes. This assumption that because you can become a head football coach that you're this really smart guy is just that. It's an assumption. Some are really smart guys. Some are meatheads who are really good at football in the same way that you might uh, yeah. you might meet some people who are brilliant at accounting, for example. Okay, they, they, they just are great at math, and you put them in a social setting, and they can't figure out how to tie their shoes. So, I mean, there's, there's different types of people and this applies to football as well. And it, it, I, I know less some I've met less. I've been in his office, just me and him in Baton Rouge. He's, 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 he's a goofy guy. He's fun to talk to, but people ask, are you surprised? You, you cannot surprise me. Right. Yeah. Which is, which is why I, I don't want to defend, but like when I hear people say things like, and I, and it's every situation is a little different, but like when I hear like you freeze and what he did. You know, it, 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 yeah, it, it's embarrassing, but it's like if they only knew what goes on at other places, that how common this is. Now, maybe how he did it with the phone. I'm, there's a defensive coordinator on a big time program in the NFL that's won multiple Super Bowls that he'd grade his guys and there would Tuesday night was hooker night. They bring in a hooker for the whole secondary though. And this is, and the head coach knew it. And we, and to me, how did it go last night? I mean, in today's world, 
you wouldn't be able to do that. This happened. This happened now. And now that's that's pretty crass, isn't it? Yeah, it's that's that no, I mean I know rough. that was seen that in and then so I hear Blake say sounds like hearsay. No, 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 my friend. This this report that's covered, this was an investigation done by LSU. Yeah. So this is LSU saying, no, we think we found this out. Now, I don't know what happened in this situation, but I've known that there have been other inappropriate things that have happened. Uh so yeah, no, it's you know, no, it's 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 not a lot of hearsay. It's it's uh there is hearsay, but there's a lot of things that you don't know, my friend, that that's out there. And I don't know if that makes it worse or better or it it, it neither, but it's it's um I don't know what this is going to mean, and he's denied it and all that. But there's the the thing about it is LSU knew about it, but they they say they didn't. But because he had to handle it, I mean, if it was hearsay, why did he give money? What is he? Sh- oh, is it blackmail money? Just it was inappropriate. It doesn't mean that he did anything that you think he did. You know, just matters. It just. Just matters, you know. We'll uh, we'll wrap here. SEC basketball getting ready for another weekend as we start to really get close to tournament time. Um, next weekend's the final weekend of the uh, regular season. Going into this weekend, Alabama still a uh, magic number of one to clinch the uh, SEC title, and one Alabama win and or one Arkansas loss clinches the title for the Tide. Alabama thirteen and two in the league after losing in Fayetteville on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, Arkansas now 10 and 4 in the league uh in second place. LSU after losing at Georgia is 9 and 5. Florida's 8 and 5. Tennessee 9 and 6. Ole Miss after beating Missouri in Columbia is 8 and 7. Missouri and Kentucky 7 and 7. Mississippi State 7 and 8. Georgia is 7 and 9. Auburn really starting to fall off. They're 5 and 10 in the league. Texas A&M hasn't played in a month. They won't play Saturday. They're 2 and 6 in the league. One of the odd stories that, frankly, nobody's diving into, and it's kind of weird, but maybe we can talk about it next week. Some South Carolina three and ten in the league. Vanderbilt two and eleven. The games on Saturday. Tennessee is at Auburn. That game's an eleven a.m. Central game there uh, in at Auburn Arena. South Carolina is at Georgia. That game's at noon Central. Uh, the most attractive game of the day. A really good game. LSU is at Arkansas. That is a uh, one o'clock start in Bud Walton. Arkansas has won eight straight SEC games. Really hot right now. The only loss in the last month and a half or so for Arkansas is uh, at Oklahoma State in a really close game where Cade Cunningham took over. Ole Miss at Vanderbilt. The Rebels in a must-win situation. Cannot lose to Vanderbilt and keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive. Another really attractive game. Florida at Kentucky. Uh, the Gators playing really well. I, I've said it repeatedly. Mike White's done a great job when you consider the the circumstances there. That's a three o'clock game. Texas A and M and Missouri has been postponed because of COVID issues inside the A and M program. And then uh, Alabama can clinch the SEC title at Mississippi State. That game is at uh, five o'clock at Humphrey Coliseum there in Startville. Uh, Alabama, number six in the country, trying to probably preserve a two seed in the NCAA tournament. So we'll. We'll talk about that, those games, when we come back on Tuesday. We'll be in the final uh, week of the SEC regular season. Probably as of this moment, probably six teams have their ticket punched to the NCAA tournament. Ole Miss in the mix. Kentucky is um, 
rising fast. They've got a huge game against Florida. So we'll talk about all of that. We'll talk about NFL draft. We'll talk about recruiting. Be a lot of things to get to here on SEC Football and Beyond. Chris, you got anything else before we go? No, that's it. Just have a great weekend. Have a safe weekend out there, everybody. And we'll be back with you Tuesday um, talking about all of it. So for Chris, thanks for joining us in the chat room. For Chris, I'm Neil. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. Take care.